get ready for an epic experience that you won't forget. The Be Your Best Self Conference, August 22nd at the Grand Event Center in Grandview Heights. You'll rub elbows with some seriously cool folks in the business world and soak up all sorts of wisdom about being a bold leader, rolling with the punches, and smashing through any obstacles that may come your way. It's not just about setting through speeches. It's about making connections and diving deep into learning that'll stick with you for ages. We've got a killer lineup of speakers just for you. First up, we've got Brian John, the brains behind Echo and Athena, who's going to drop some knowledge bombs about leading with love. Next, we'll hear from Shara Hutchison, the powerhouse CEO of Exposure, who's going to spill the beans on how to navigate change like a pro, whether it's in your personal life or at work. And then brace yourself for Stephen Carr, the mastermind behind Belief Force, who's going to show us how to kick those self-limiting beliefs to the curb and step into our full potential. But wait, there's more. We've got a lively panel discussion lined up where we'll tackle the ins and outs of working with different generations in the workplace, led by the amazing Dahlia Calgreen from United Residential Management. And to keep the momentum going all day long, we've got the one and only LaShondra Baker from LBB Edutainment as our hype woman. Oh, and don't even think about sneaking out early because we've got some seriously awesome prizes up for grabs at the end of the day. Trust me, you don't want to miss out. So mark your calendars, spread the word, and get ready for a day packed with inspiration and connections. Chamberpartnership.org backslash BYBS 2024. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Katie Ellis, President and CEO of our Tri-Village Chamber of Commerce, and you are listening to the Business Inspired Podcast. We have our brilliant co-host and pro podcaster, Brett Johnson, here with us. Well, thank you. It's great to be back. And we have a treat for all of you today, Dr. Eric Hutchison of Hutchison Consulting. He holds a BBA in marketing, MBA and MS, and PhD in industrial organizational psychology. With more than 20 years of professional experience and 15 years of teaching, his firm specializes in strategic planning, organizational and individual development, employee engagement, and career counseling. Eric, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And we had the pleasure of meeting you earlier in this year and learning more about you. Um, but before we get into any of that, we want to share something that you're offering, a free employee experience consultation. Can you share just a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the employee experience consultation is really to talk with the business owner or a leader in the organization to hear what's going well with the employees, uh, what would like they like to see that is a little bit different. Uh, what are some things that they've tried that maybe have worked well or haven't gone well? And from there, that really helps me to make some recommendations on ways to improve that employee's experience. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And can you share a, ba- a bit more about your background and why did you start your consulting firm? Sure. So my background started in the financial industry and I was in the financial industry for 20 years. And I had some tremendous experiences. Uh, While I was in undergrad, I worked in collections for a bank, and I really enjoyed it. The focus was helping people more financially plan and understand how to correct out of the collections process rather than uh, the a stick approach, if you will. And 
by providing that advice and helping identify needs, it created sort of a habit with me of what are, what does the individual need in order to move beyond where they are? And so I went into the management program after graduating, and I moved to Columbus from Akron to manage a banking center. And this was right at the, about the time of Y2K. So there was a lot of uncertainty in the financial industry. Working in the branches was also a way to help identify needs with clients. So my career progressed into branding and marketing, and I went for to study my MBA uh, in 2002 while still working in banking. And it was during that that uh, one of my independent studies was conducting a focus groups for a, a marketing research opportunity. So again, helping identify the needs um, for people is, is really where I started to see that was the direction that I wanted to go in long term. And at the time, I thought I would go on to study organizational behavior. Uh, but when the time came that I was ready to go back to school uh, to really support three areas, teaching, research, and consulting, uh, it was organizational psychology that I identified as being a great fit for me. So I'll, I'll share a, an analogy that I attribute to uh, Jim Herndon, who was my dissertation chair. Uh, the analogy for organizational psychology is that if you're setting up an aquarium, uh, it's very similar to setting up a business. You want to understand how big is the aquarium going to be? Is it going to be freshwater or saltwater? And what is our goal for this aquarium? And then you start making a list. Here's everything that can go into my 100-gallon saltwater aquarium. And these are the features, and this is what I would expect to benefit from each of these types of things. And then once the aquarium is built and established, then you're managing to the pH. So for industrial and organizational psychology, that making a list of here's everything that I need that will go in to make the organization successful. That is the selection process. It's the job descriptions and it's what types of experiences and skills do we need for people to bring to the company and then once they're in the company, that's the organizational psychology part. How do you maintain balance within the organization? Uh, making sure that the predators aren't taking over, making sure there isn't too much algae, right? So that's done, you know, obviously through studying the employee experience, as well as uh, identifying ways that performance is, is managed and what type of training and development need to take place. And then what made you decide to go out as an entrepreneur and start your own firm? I decided to start my own business uh, when I knew that I was leaving corporate America because it gave me a way to start meeting clients in different segments and in different industries. Uh, and I started out helping clients with strategic planning. That was my background. Um, at the end of my corporate career was a lot of operationalizing of methods and plans and processes. So helping small businesses with things like that was really rewarding. And as I went through the IO psychology program, I could then start adding more services and and developing into the selection and the organizational development process. And the having my own business really gave me the flexibility to work a range of hours while still working toward uh, the degree. That's, That's fantastic. good. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting because I run into and work with a lot of other businesses as well, that once they see that strategic planning, 
it's that looking holistically, I guess you could say, versus like, okay, we have to create this widget or we have to sale, sale, sales. So I guess the question for me is how important do you see strategic planning for any size organization or business? Um, What will that strat plan help them do? Sure. And and you're absolutely right. Uh, That's where, you know, a client has done, they're an expert in their trade, right? right? But they have not had training on hiring and development and they haven't had experience on you know identifying what the strategic plan or the vision and mission of the organization is and so you know really having them look at what is their current vision and their mission for the organization what does that look like in three years and what needs to happen over the next three years in order to achieve that goal And so that's where the strategic plan comes in. And then the next phase of that is then saying, how do we align the the employees and the resources of your organization to this plan? What do we need to do from a development perspective in order to achieve this goal and this vision that you have? All right. I've been through a couple of strat plans sessions for a nonprofit and everybody was just so, I don't like going through this. I thought it was freeing. Because you got to see the pros and the cons, and it also gave you that opportunity for a working document and the opportunity to say no to something because sure. it doesn't align with what you're doing. Absolutely. Or it, you're all in because, yes, this is what we're going to do versus, well, we should do this. And you have five people around a table going, you don't know where you're going. All That's of a right. sudden, you have a roadmap. It's a GPS on what you want to do, a variable GPS, but you're going somewhere. Right. Versus every opportunity at the table, oh, we could do that. We could do that. It just it's a hodgepodge. You don't know what you're doing. Absolutely, yeah, amazing. And can you share a little bit about strategies that you use in just a general sense, and maybe an example or a story that stands out in your mind? So, from an organization perspective, one strategy is is really looking at the leadership team and identifying what their roles and responsibilities are. If the CEO's focus is not on organizational growth and idea generation, and instead they're spending a lot of time in the details and the operations, that might not be what's best for the business, right? So maybe helping the CEO switch from COO to CEO. And where where at times it may be very necessary for them to step out of the idea generation mentality and focus on critical details for the business, that really would be more a role of the, that division's leader or the CEO or the COO, I'm sorry. Um, however, in a lot of small businesses, uh, sometimes the CEO is also responsible for marketing and maybe human resources, right? So it's really having an understanding of what everybody is responsible for and is that the area that they should be focused on is that where their skill set is and sometimes it's just a matter of shifting some things around within a a small business or an organization and identifying those clarity for those roles that relieves a lot of that tension um, that may have been preventing growth and expansion yeah now we've spent a lot of time talking about strategic planning and, and and I'm wondering if the listener is kind of going, 
wow, this sounds like a long time to do this. What is a timetable for a strategic planning from beginning to end? And again, I know there's probably no set sure. answer to that, but we're not talking years here, right? No, no. Right. And in fact, you know, from a from a strategic planning perspective, it's strategic planning is is very much like any maintenance activity. It's something that should be top of mind on a regular basis. And in that daily decision-making process, hey, do I understand, and this is from the senior leadership of the organization to entry level, is do I understand how what I'm doing applies to our mission and vision of the organization? And that, in fact, is is it supporting the strategy for the company? And so it's really an ongoing, long-term initiative to where it may need to be tweaked and there may need to be other things in the organization that change to support that. But that initial exercise of going through what what are the goals and how do we get there, that isn't nearly as long as as the three years to get there. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. And then moving to employee engagement, what do you see being the biggest benefit of multi-generational employees? And how can you help businesses and organizations work through the generational divide that can happen? Sure. Uh, so we'll start with you know with employee engagement, and that's a that's a great part of my business because really what I am able to do is is help businesses identify you know and better understand what the employee is experiencing on a daily basis that is contributing to that engagement right so you can have an employee satisfaction survey that tells you whether the employees are happy or not that doesn't necessarily mean that they're engaged and to figure out what you know are the contributing factors for their engagement one of the major pieces that is a predictor of engagement is whether there's a sense of belonging for the employee and that is so important, especially now, as we've seen through the great resignation and people really wanting to have jobs where they feel that is a good fit for them and that they have that sense of belonging. And that transfers over to multi-generation employees because a multi, you know, you mentioned the generational divide. And so in the literature, we were, you know, and then the academics, we talk about these as generational cohorts. And so for each of the, you know, the boomers, the Xers, the millennials, and what I hear a lot of times, somebody will say is, oh, I just can't understand how to, to communicate with these millennials. And I say, you know, let's step back and look at this from a different lens that millennials, just as any other generational cohort is a group of people. And we wouldn't say that about a, a group's ethnicity, Right. So that right there helps reframe the exercise of, oh, I didn't realize that this is actually like a cultural diversity lens that we need to be looking through in in order to address this. And so going back then to belonging is to say, how do we ensure that the individuals in these groups understand the complexity that each one of the groups have in terms of work style, communication, uh, workplace behaviors, and perspective about what it means to be engaged. And it's encouraging when I see a company that does have multi-generation employees because 
as problems become more complex to solve, having a complex infrastructure to look at those from different lenses that each generation has is a much better way to solve problems than if everybody is of the same blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the statistics that you cite on your website about hiring strategies is the cost associated with replacing employees. Could you speak to the tangible and intangible costs associated associated with this and how to mitigate those costs? Sure. So the tangible costs are the cost to recruit, to run through a selection process, and then to onboard and train. And that's really expensive, especially in a small business where it may be a solopreneur who's adding somebody for the first time. That is then becomes a tremendous part of their time investment that isn't being used to generate revenue. And so if they don't have the budget to hire somebody to assist with that process, then how can I help them by using the appropriate tools and developing types of selection methods that are specific to their organization so that there is a greater probability that they're hiring somebody who will be a fit and where we can predict that this individual will be a good performer. Uh, Because when we then look at the intangible costs of not being a fit and not being a strong performer is this individual may not be contributing to revenue as quickly as you expected them to, but by not being a fit, they may also be off-putting to your clients. And if you are not a solopreneur and you have a larger organization and you hire somebody who isn't identified as a fit for the organization, um, what does that mean in terms of disruption to, again, going back to that aquarium analogy, the pH of the organization? Yeah. Wow. So as you work with individuals and organizations, what trends are you seeing happening? One of the the trends that is really important, and it goes back to that sense of belonging and and what does that mean for somebody to belong? And so a lot of times when you hear of an organization going through cultural diversity training or cultural competence training, um, the employees got confused because they don't really know what's expected of them. And they may already feel like, hey, I belong here. But then there also may be a group of employees that don't. And really, before entering into that any type of training like that, we go back to the employee experience. And if we have an idea and if we've measured which groups have that sense of belonging and which ones don't, that can really help shape the way that training is developed and implemented so that it is specific to the organization and it is relatable to the employees and then it's actionable we can start to see, expect to see that those ratings change by measuring them over time through like a pulse survey, if you will. That way it it's sustainable rather than we're checking a box by having an employee satisfaction survey and we're checking a box by doing this type of training. It, it really is more beneficial of the organization to know exactly what the focus should be. It sounds as though companies need to have a healthy look at the branding that they do for the company, that it equals what it's actually going on inside too. That That's a great point. And, you know, it, part of my career before working in IO psychology was in marketing and branding. And so what is that message that is 
being sent to not only your clients, but also your prospective employees. So if somebody, if you're looking for a certain type of employee with a certain skill set, but they don't have a relationship with your brand, um, that could deter them from applying. And, you know, the the perspective of the candidates who go through your selection process, uh, one of the things that I share with clients or if I'm working with an individual on career development is that your experience in the selection process is a realistic preview of what it's going to be like when you get into the organization. So if they're responsive to you to throughout the selection process, chances are they're going to be responsive to you when you're in the organization. But if you feel, if you're going days and weeks at a time without any follow-up, um, you may find yourself having more autonomy in the organization than maybe you're looking for. However, if that is what you're looking for, that that may be an indicator that you will be a good fit there, that you know the, the check-ins aren't on a regular basis. So really understanding what some of those signals mean that you could be getting from the organization. Interesting. Fascinating. So when it comes to everything that you offer, the strategic planning, organizational, individual development, employee engagement, and career counseling, do you have a favorite? This question is is one I get asked uh, on a regular basis. And the, the great thing about being an independent consultant um, and having my own business is that I don't work on anything that I don't like to work on. And so freedom. Isn't that so, great? Isn't that great? <laughs> right? It's yeah. it's fantastic. And you know, if um it would it would be really difficult. It's like, you know, if you have your favorite restaurant that you go to and there are a lot of things on the menu that you really, really enjoy, and that's where you have the hardest time making a decision is because you you want to experience as much of it as possible. And so for me, you know, the work that I do with with organizations, whether they're in the public sector or the private sector, or they're a nonprofit, it, it really is helping to identify what their needs are. And if it's something that isn't my expertise, or it's not something I enjoy doing, I have a great network of colleagues that also include other IO psychologists who may be a better fit for them than than I am. And I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to have some great people that work for me on my team, um, all in a contractor basis who also have various backgrounds and maybe somebody who is that is within my network um, through Hutchison Consulting that they can help with that. I think it's a benefit of working with a smaller company too. And I mean, Tri-Village Chamber Partnership, that's mostly the makeup is small businesses that if the members can work with each other, as well as the businesses that are members, as you just said, you have a network of people. When sure. I think of work with larger organizations, they kind of want to keep it all to themselves and they don't refer out because they're afraid of losing the business where we work on a different level. Right. We work on that referral. I we agree. work toward that referral. And I think it, that that's a big benefit of working with a, a smaller company is that they're there to help you even if it's an outsourcing that, okay, I can't do it, but I know somebody that can. There's no downside to that. That's right. At I, all. I, I agree with you on that point. And I was just in a, a meeting before this one where one of the areas that we were talking about is an area that I have zero experience in. And I just said, you know, of the five areas that we've discussed, the one area that I don't have any experience in is this one. However, you know, I didn't have any experience in some of these other areas before I 
you know, ventured into them, marketing, branding, organizational psychology. So learning it would not be something I would be opposed to doing, but the time may, may be better spent in the uh, some of the other areas we discussed initially um, before venturing into an unknown. Yeah. Well, this next question is going to go right into your offer in regards to working with businesses to kind of, you know, that that initial consult is that, you know, what's the one takeaway that people can implement or ponder in order to make a positive impact within themselves or within their organization? And that could lead to that, okay, I'm going to think about this, but I need to get a hold of you and, and, and ponder this and pull some more stuff out of this. Sure. There are two things, maybe even three things that they could take away from that initial one is is really having an opportunity to discuss with somebody what has worked well and what hasn't. And, and that's really an indicator in that initial conversation for me to understand the type of climate in the organization when they feel that you know one thing may have performed better than another. It gives me an idea of what the employees are receptive to. Um, it may be, wow, I'm really having a hard time communicating with this person in the organization. I don't understand. Every time I want to talk about this topic, they shut down. Um, and by understanding workplace behaviors and workplace personalities, it may just be a difference in the way that problems are addressed. Some people really have a direct approach to problem solving, and they want to discuss it with multiple people, whereas somebody else may have a much more intro some people may have a much more introverted approach where they want to think about it and analyze it for a while. Well, it, those two are at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to problem solving. And so the person who's direct and wants to have a group of people debating and talking about different ideas and ways to solve the problem could view the person who's more introverted as, you know, they just shut down. They don't want to be involved and they they shut me out. And where that isn't at all what's going on, in fact, they're they're running through in some cases, many different opportunities or permutations of problem solving. And they do that in their head rather than out loud. Whereas, you know, that person may also view the person who wants to talk about it as being distracting, right? So helping them understand, oh, wow, that's just maybe their approach of problem solving. And we might get to the same solution and we might agree on a solution long term, but we just have different paths of getting to the final destination. It's fantastic. Again, fascinating. <laughs> and then how can people get a hold of you? LinkedIn or through my website. Uh, there is a way, there's a link on every page of my website to generate an email to ask a question or to reach out to schedule an appointment. And again, if that, you know, and also on LinkedIn, I have an individual page as well as a, a company page. So messaging through any of those three methods. Uh, and again, mentioning this podcast, uh, we'll we'll get an appointment set up and and talk about what's going on. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're so happy to have you as a new member. Thank you very chamber. much. It's my pleasure. Lucky to have you. Did you know sponsoring a Tri-Village Chamber event not only builds brand awareness, but expands your network? Our chamber unites hundreds of businesses and individuals through meaningful relationships, educational programming, exclusive resources, and awesome events. Sponsorship supports our efforts to build and strengthen the community. To find out which opportunities are best for you, contact me directly at katie, K-A-T-I-E, at chamberpartnership.org. Thanks for partnering with us. 
Thanks for listening to Business Inspires. Check out the podcast show notes for information about this podcast, to schedule a guest appearance, or to find out more about sponsoring this podcast.